0: The tallest message is Bible Kisses. Last Friday was Valentine's Day, of course. Raise your hand if you've got a card. All right, good. There's a few. I think there was a lot more in the first service, maybe. But there's some crazy cards out there. I, I, I found these. This is the cheesiest Valentine's card I could find. And then, I love you more than pizza. That's romantic, isn't it? And then I like this one the best. You're the sweatpants of my life. Cozy, warm, and the only thing I want after a long day. <laughs> I looked for that to buy, Diane, and I couldn't find that card anywhere. So uh, so who got flowers? Anybody get flowers? All right. Candy maybe or another gift. And raise your hand if you got a kiss. Well, you guys are a lot more honest than you were in the first service. I called them a bunch of liars, and I had to ex- repent of that, actually. Actually, this, this is kind of a different subject this morning. I love kissing. I, I like getting kissed. One of my favorite things in, in life is kissing. I like to kiss Diana the most. I'm, I need to say that this morning. <laughs> but uh, <yeah. laughs> he, I, I got a job maybe for somebody in here. Our, we've been married almost 50 years this year, so all of our married life, I wanted to take Diana and duct tape her to a chair and kiss her all I wanted during the day, but I need a volunteer to turn her loose. I won't be the, John Ray said he'd turn you loose, Diane, so you're all set. You know, that'd be the, that'd be the downside of that because I, I wouldn't want to be the one that uh, w- would do that actually how many, this is crazy as a teenager. When I dated girls, after you went to the movies or whatever you did, I thought they ought at least give you a kiss. How how many guys expected a kiss on the first date? I can expect that out of you, Dennis. Okay, here's the next question. How many girls would, would give the guy a kiss on your first date? By there are some down here that's not telling the truth. I can see that right now. When I was probably three or four years old, I had an aunt lived in close to East St. Louis, and my mother took me down there, and we were on a bus going into the city, and there was a, a African American family there, and over and over I would scream out, "I want to kiss that black baby." My mother was horrified. (laughs) There's many types of kisses. The kiss you give your mom, your sister, your wife, or your significant other, and your pet. I kiss Izzy. That's my dog, Izzy. Our dog, I kiss her every night. That's why I scratch sometimes, because I've contracted some fleas off that girl. (laughs) Favorite joke. One of my favorite jokes a Catholic priest was in a preschool teaching these little kids. He had a white collar on it, had some raised indentation on it. He said, children, do you know what this says? One little girl raises her hand and says, yeah, it kills fleas and ticks for six months. <laughs> it said Jesus in Greek, but that little kid, he, she wasn't buying it. So uh... <laughs> a kiss is an expression of love and affection. I think culture has changed its meaning to a degree that we've kind of reduced it to something that's erotic. So I thought this is close to Valentine's Day, so I thought maybe uh, we'd, I'd dig through the Bible and find some verses on kisses because I, I think it's such a big deal and what God has to say to us and some of the things that we can learn from this. There's seven kisses in the Bible. Number one, the figurative kiss of God's attributes, Psalm 85:10. Mercy and truth are met together righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Now, sometimes we think about that, how hard that is to get mercy and truth together, because truth hurts sometimes. Truth stings us. We know it's the truth. It doesn't make us like it, actually. Truth is absolute holiness with error or hypocrisy, but mercy is overlooking error and hypocrisy. And the same, I think, can be said about righteousness and peace Sinful man finds righteousness frustrating, yet he cannot have peace without it. The verse says that these seeming opposites have met together and they've, they've kissed each other. How can this happen? It can only happen through Christ. John 1, 17 says, for the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Christ joins God's righteousness and his overwhelming love together. And we say, how can God be righteous and merciful at the same time? Romans 5, 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So both sides of God's attributes were brought in harmony through the salvation that Jesus brought on the cross. Secondly, is the faithful kiss of salvation, Luke 7, 37 and 38. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, She brought an alabaster jar of perfume, and as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on them. This clip kind of helps us maybe understand what that incident looked like. Let's watch. This Pharisee invited Jesus to have dinner with him and Jesus went to his house and sat down to eat. Come along, children. Off you go.
1: You heard me. Go! You're not up to all the mischief going, but good, son. <laughs> Let me tell you something, there were two men who owed money to a moneylender. One owed him 500 silver coins, the other 50. Neither of them can pay him back, so he cancelled the debts of both. Which one then will love him more? I suppose that it would be the one who was forgiven more. You are right. You see this woman, I came into your home, you gave me no water for my feet. She has washed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You did not welcome me with a kiss. But since I came, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You provided no olive oil for my head. Yet she has anointed my feet with perfume. I tell you then, the great love she has shown proves that her many sins are forgiven. But whoever is forgiven little shows only a little love. Sins are forgiven you. Your faith is saved. You go in peace. I.
0: I wonder over the years as you watch that video many people maybe we've shunned or turned away because they they wasn't like us. I think there are some people in life that sometimes we don't even want to be in the same room with them. Simon the Pharisee was upset by this harlot's flagrant display that she just kind of barged into his house and she was a prostitute and they didn't hang out with women like that, but some of them did incognito, so to speak. But nonetheless, she offended everybody else there but Christ. He used that opportunity to teach Simon about forgiveness. The sinner had taken it up on herself to honor him. When you and I receive God's salvation through his son, there's a difference made in our hearts, and we look for ways to honor Christ around us. And I think one of those big ways is reaching out to people that we deem sometimes even beneath us. I've learned in ministry that there is no human being that's not redeemable. There are some that don't want to be redeemed and they fight change and maybe they'll never change, but I I don't think it lessens our responsibility to, to keep trying. Each of our Attempts to honor Christ are like kisses to him, actually. You think about your own life. When's the last time you you really know for sure that you honored Christ, whether it's being friendly to somebody or reaching out or whatever? Third kiss, the family kiss of the brethren, Romans 16, 16. It's also in four other places. Greet one another with a holy kiss. In several places, Paul admonishes the believers to greet one another with a kiss. The the holy kiss would be equivalent to a, a heartfelt handshake or a hug. But what's behind this exhortation for Paul to say to kiss one another? It was a sign of true affection and blessing to others. There is a number of times in the Scripture that we are commanded to love one another. This holy kiss was part of the result of a God-inspired love. And I think we have to take in consideration those early Christians. They, they faced life and death together. They were together a lot, a lot of hours in the week. It's almost like they, they lived together and they suffered persecution together, so that made them a tight bond. Even though our... Social norms would tell us that it's kind of a no-no to kiss others. The demand that we love one another is never out of style. And our culture has changed all that with the things that has happened in life. And you can't hardly even touch somebody or pat somebody on the back anymore, and that's sad to me. Fourth kiss, the farewell kiss of separation, Acts 20, 36 through 38. It's one of the most poignant scenes in the New Testament. Paul had went into Ephesus and gave his life and his heart to those people, and he loved them to no end. And then one day he says, "I'm leaving." When he had said this, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was the statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. They loved Paul tremendously. And this moment that he said, I'll never see you guys again, was an incredible sorrow to them. The context of the passage is that they fell on his neck and kissed him goodbye repeatedly. And I'm sure there would have been tons of tears as well. We know what goodbyes are. They're not not easy for us. For some, they've been close to their children, and that day comes where they pack their suitcase and they head off to college for the first time. Or perhaps to serve our country in a foreign land. Many of you have probably been to the airport and seen people off that went to war maybe. Or maybe it's a missionary that's fulfilling their God-given uh, call to go to some far-away land. And they go and you don't see them for a while. Or it could be a pastor who's been called to another church and saying goodbye uh, to them is difficult as it is as we stand by a coffin of somebody we love. Knowing that in Christ, and if that person's in Christ, you'll see him again, but it doesn't make it any easier. The grief is, uh, is left with us who are on this earth. That goodbye kiss is one we remember for a long time because it kind of lingers and then this is the best kind of kiss, the coming home kiss. That's a great picture from World War II at the end. If you've been to San Diego, there's a aircraft carrier called the Midway that's on display there. You can go in, and that, there's a huge statue of that right by that. That's, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Fifth kind of kiss, the foolish kiss of adultery, Hosea 13.2. Now, they sin more and more. They make idols for themselves from their silver, cleverly fashioned images, all of them the work of craftsmen. It is said of these people, they offer human sacrifices and kiss kiss the calf idols. In the days of Hosea the prophet, people had become consumed with idols. They would wear little idols around their neck. They would have idols other places in the city, and some people even had them in their homes. And part of that custom was to kiss that idol, to pay that idol honor and reverence. Hosea was pointing out the foolishness of it all. And today, we would say that we, we wouldn't do that. We wouldn't, wouldn't kiss an idol, but idolatry isn't dead. It just comes in other forms. Um, it could be sports gods or money gods or entertainment gods. It shouldn't be so with the believer. But we do those kind of things. And if you're fortunate to go to Ireland probably the, one of the friendliest countries in the world, they have something there called the Blarney Stone, and people go kiss that. I would like to put a life-size cutout of Bill Snodgrass there. I'd, I'd, I'd like to, because I think, Bill, that sometimes you might have a little Blarney in you. I, I don't know that, but I'm just saying. Last or Number six, the friendly kiss of hypocrisy, Luke 22, 47 and 48. That's a great story, too. While he was still speaking, a crowd came up, and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? So when Judas kissed Jesus in the garden that night, he was not only identifying him, the one that the Romans were to arrest, but also he was acting that he had affection for Christ for doing this. He was phony. He was playing the fool, so to speak. Jesus saw right through him. The blatant attempt at innocence was not missed by Christ. He called Judas on it. Are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? Proverbs 27, 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Satan will use every trick he can to deceive us, even the false love of an enemy. Beware of the wolf in sheep's clothing. Then the last one kiss, the forgiving kiss of compassion, Luke fifteen twenty about the prodigal. So he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him, and he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. This story is so beyond our grasp because it's, it's everything just opposite maybe of what our earthly fathers would have done. So picture this in your mind. I didn't know your father, but picture this in your mind that your father had money and while you were young, you wanted your inheritance immediately. You wanted it now. So you took it and you took it to the city. And the scripture says that the prodigal lived in riotous living. I don't know what that would look like today, but we kind of can maybe picture in our mind. Well, he ran out of money and in a sense, he was in alleys eating out of dumpsters, and he didn't have anything to eat, and he finally come home. Now, if that was you, and you had done that, and your dad saw you coming, how many dads would have been on the porch with their arms open and to bring you in and kiss you on the head, have a big feast, take off the ring, the family ring, and slide it on your fingers and say, man, I am glad you're home, and never mention what you did. I don't even know we as fathers, you know, if you think about that, it's a picture of the love of God. I am sure that the prodigal expected rebuke and reprisals. He probably expected get a butt chew, and I don't know, but at least mention that, and maybe after you have unloaded your frustration as a dad on that boy, then you would have, but he skipped all that. Not even, I told you so. Instead, he was welcomed with open arms and joy. And so that picture for us is God stands ready to accept our repentance and faith now. Even though you may feel that you are a great way off, God is willing and waiting to run toward you and to restore you to himself and take all your sin And put it in the deepest part of the ocean and put up an old fishing sign. It's gone. I don't know how long you've been a follower of Christ, but when we backslide in that backslidden condition, it's the most miserable place to be on earth and in life. Because you know what you should be doing and you're not doing it. And the Holy Spirit reminds you of that. But then that experience of finally listening to the Holy Spirit knock on your door and you finally let down your guard and look up to God and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Would you please forgive me? What a, what, and let that, that whole wave of grace just washes over you and you feel clean again. In life, we do that over and over and over again. That's why God makes God so amazing to me. I had somebody tell me one time, says, when you, when you get that far away from God, He'll just kill you and take you home. I said, That can't be true or I'd be dead. Kisses can mean a lot of different things. And as we have looked at these examples of Bible kisses, uh, we see it as an affectionate sign of love or a hypocritical sign of betrayal, but an honorable kiss to God can bring many blessings and great benefits. Would you say in your life that lately you've been smooching on God or have you been ignoring him? That's that's the question we need to, to ask ourselves this morning. Before Jesus left, he said, I want you to do a couple things. We call them ordinances. He says, one I want you to baptize people in my name. It's an outward sign of an inward change that you have accepted Christ and your old life's under the water and you come out fresh and new and you're going to live for me. And then secondly, he told us to take communion. Remember his life and his death and his suffering for what he's done for us. It's a remembrance of his love and affection for us and he wants us to show that back for him and I always say this because I, I I'm always at a loss for words there's nothing that we can say right now that can even come close to this sacred moment I believe in life that there aren't we've, we've erased or we've eradicated most sacred moments there used to be there, there used to be a lot of things that was just sacred and off the chart when a young couple stands here and gets married, when they say those vows, when they look in each other's eyes, that's a sacred moment. It should never be compromised. But we know what happens in life. It's just, I'm trying to say that of all the things that we do in life, this, this will be the most sacred that you and I will do to me, is my opinion, just my opinion. So I ask you to, make this sacred in your mind and your heart this morning Lord I always say this I'm always at a loss for words and sometimes it's maybe hard for us to see some of the pictures that maybe what you looked like when you were on the cross for us disfigured beaten almost senseless blood everywhere and that's my sin that's me I did that I don't like to face that but I think we need to sometimes to really be completely grateful for what you've done for us so right now Lord I pray as we take this bread that it has meaning that it's not a ritual, that it's not a tradition, but it actually means something tremendous to us. 1 Corinthians 11. It's what the Lord himself has said about his table, and I passed it on to you before. That on the night when Jesus betrayed him, the Lord Jesus took bread. and When he had given thanks to God for it, he broke it, and gave it to his disciples and said, take this and eat it, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord, it's the same picture. You there, hanging there, your life giving, cleansing blood running down that wood forms out a puddle at the bottom as the earth and the dirt soaks it up. That's what's covered my sin. That me as a sinner could stand before the Father completely clean because of your blood because you've wiped that sin away so right now Father as we take this cup may it mean what it's intended to mean in our lives and our hearts in the same way you took the cup of wine after supper saying this cup is the new agreement between God and you that has been established and set in motion by my blood do this in remembrance of me whenever you dream.